we're continuing our series today that I've titled Practical Passages by looking at just a few verses from Psalm 119. Hey, it's Amber, wife, mother, type A child of God. Here are little things we look at everyday issues from a biblical perspective with one simple goal, to know and love God more. Thanks for listening. Now, before we get into the psalm itself, I just want to give you a little background, a little context. And again, I'm reading from the Evangelical Heritage Version, or EHV. I had somebody, a friend, gave me this Bible, and I'm really enjoying it. It's a study Bible. And there's before the psalm actually starts, there's a page of notes that just kind of gives us the background and the context to what's going on in the psalm, and I found it extremely helpful. So I just want to read a few of those notes. I'm not going to read the whole page, but just a few things for us to keep in mind before we delve into just the few verses that I want to look at today. So Psalm 119 is the longest psalm and the longest chapter in the Bible. Factors that make it difficult for many modern readers to appreciate are its poetic technique and repetitious style. So there's some stuff going on with the Hebrew in this and the Hebrew alphabet, which I'm not going to get into because if you really want to know about it, you can go study it. It's not pertinent to what we're doing. But Psalm 119 is a lengthy meditation on the characteristics and blessings of God's word. God's word is praised 176 times and eight different names for God's word appear repeated throughout the psalm. They include laws, testimonies, precepts, statutes, commands, judgments, words, and sayings. So over and over and over, the psalmist is using different words to talk about God's word. Now, the last note before going into the psalm is something that I found very important and also a little bit startling. I guess I shouldn't, but I did. And it says this, we live in an age not much given to meditation. I'm going to stop right there for just a minute. If you've listened to this podcast for any amount of time, you know that this has been a huge change for me since 2020. I do not read the Bible fast. I take my time. I just read a few verses at a time. I pray over those verses. I meditate on them. I make sure I look up definitions. I really want to get to the bottom of what this verse and this passage is saying. And I have found this to be so meaningful and to really deepen my relationship with God. So to read that we live in an age not given much to meditation, I just want to counter that and say, if you are one that don't care, you don't care much for meditation, let me just put a little pebble in your shoe that it's worth a go. So reading on people are in a hurry. People have short attention spans. They want a lot of action in their entertainment, and they often expect the same in their worship. It is therefore not surprising that Psalm 119 is not very popular with present-day readers and worshipers. To that, I just have to say, there is a lot of meat in this psalm, and I hope that you can get past the fact that there is repetition and that it might not be like 
the book of Mark, which is all action-packed. And, and then immediately, as soon as, you know, there's, there's a time and a place for that, but there's also something about meditating on God's word, especially talking about God's word and what it does for us that can be very healthy for the soul. So I just want to look at a few verses, starting at verse 8 and going to verse 16. How can a young man keep his path pure? By guarding it with your words. With all my heart, I seek you. Do not let me stray from your commands. I have hidden your sayings in my heart so that I may not sin against you. Blessed are you, O Lord. Teach me your statutes. With my lips, I tell about all the judgments that come from your mouth. I rejoice in the way that is taught by your testimonies as much as I delight in all riches. I will meditate on your precepts and I will consider your paths. In your statutes, I delight. I will not forget your words. So I want to break that down and look at it just for a couple of minutes. So it says, how can a young man keep his path pure? Although it's directed to young man, a young man, clearly we're all in this together. How can a young man, a young woman, an old man, an old woman, how can anyone at all times keep their path pure? And the word pure means not adulterated, not muddied in any way. It's free of contamination. If we want to be free of contamination, if we want to live a holy life, a consecrated, set-apart life in a world that is continually trying to pollute us, what do we need to do? And we're told by guarding it, by guarding our path, with your words, guarding, protect, keep watch. So keep our path watched. Keep watch over our path with God's word. What does that mean? Well, what are you letting in? It's hard to find decent things. Last night, my husband and I went on a date about once every few years. His company that he works for, they throw a party for everybody that's been there over 25 years. And they they give you a meal every so many years. And then there's usually entertainment. And last year, as in the past, there's been several years that there's a comedian. And the comedian last night just had this just horrifically worldly perspective that was hard for us to grapple with. And I sort of looked around the room and I was trying to read the room, like who's laughing and who finds this funny. And it was just so worldly and so negative. And what's the point of this? And you might as well get what you can while you can, because this is all there is. And I thought, how sad, you know, I, I don't like putting this stuff in. I don't like being in this sort of environment. I felt like I wanted everyone there to know that there's so much more, that this isn't all there is, and that, you know, God has something so much more for us, that this negative view of life and hopelessness is easily overcome when you know that there's a God in heaven who loves you and watches over you. So, 
guard your path with God's word. So if you think of standing guard, what is the psalmist telling us to put around us? God's word. When we put God's word around our heart and our lives, it's going to guard our paths. It's going to direct us to a way of purity, an unadulterated lifestyle. It's going to keep us free from all the things that can lead us to trouble. And I like to say, you know, people think it's such a burden to follow God's commands. And it's just the opposite. If you want a burden, try to live underneath the weight of guilt. Try to live with the dysfunction of doing things the world's way. God's ways offer us a path of freedom and fullness. Like if you do things this way, God knows that this is the way that's going to give you the most joy while you're on earth. So God's rules, his commands, all the guidance he gives us in his word, it's not about being legalistic and you have to do this or or you won't get this. It's not that at all. It's it's more a matter of God saying, hey, let me clue you in. It's going to be a lot easier for you if you do things this way. So that's how we keep our path pure. We guard it with God's word. Do not let me stray from your commands. I have hidden your sayings in my heart so that I may not sin against you. I don't know how true that is for most of us. I grew up in a Christian day school where I was taught to memorize scripture. And I'm so thankful for that. I cannot tell you how many times I've been in situations that that scripture comes back to me. I've tried in my later years to memorize. I've made a point to write down passages that I really want to keep in my heart. I definitely think it's harder as you get older. I don't know if it's lack of trying or if it's just the society that we live in. I was just with some people the other day and we were talking about phone numbers. I used to know all my friends' phone numbers. I can still tell you some of my friends' phone numbers from when I was young. I don't know any of my friends' phone numbers. I push their contact. I, I. It's a problem. I don't know if we commit much to memory anymore. And yet we're told here that this psalmist has hidden God's word in his heart so he doesn't sin against God. Like he wants it right there. He wants it to be so much a part of his life so that he doesn't sin against God. These are the things that naturally come out. What you put in is going to come out. So for instance, if you're around people who are negative and grumbling all the time, there's a good chance that you're going to be negative and grumbling. I've noticed it too, again, last night when we were with some other people in a secular setting, the language. One of the things that has become so apparent to me in the last several years, I have never noticed it to the extent that I notice it now, but Jesus' name is used as a curse word constantly. It's on TV. It's in media. People, people just spit it out. Like it's a curse word. And if, if you know the commands and you know that you don't want to misuse God's name, that is so abrasive when you hear it. 
And you think, this is my my Lord and Savior. This is the name that I use to pray, praise, and give thanks. This is not, this is not a curse word to just throw around like it's nothing, like it has no meaning. There's a reason that we hide God's word in our hearts, that we can pull it out and it can comfort us. And because we don't want to sin against God. Teach me your statutes. The word statute is a written law. So teach me your laws. Teach me your ways. With my lips, I tell about all your judgments that come from my mouth. I rejoice in the way that is taught by your testimonies as much as I delight in all riches. Now, I don't think that many of us could say that very honestly. I rejoice in God's way as much as I delight in riches. What are you seeking? What are you going after? And where is God's word and putting it in your heart? Where is that in the whole scheme of things? Are you really pursuing God in a relationship with him? Are you pursuing a nice house or the next vacation or a good body or, you know, the the guy or the children or the status or the whatever? What, What are you pursuing? Could we say, I rejoice in your testimonies as much as I delight in all riches? At the end of the day, this stuff that we surround ourselves with, it doesn't matter. We see this, people go through hurricanes or tornadoes or fires and they get to the other side and they say, well, you know, we all survived. I'm just glad I have my family or everything else is replaceable. And yet continuously, we put so much time and effort into storing this stuff up. And it doesn't bring us a lot of joy. It does momentarily. You buy something new and it's great and it's fun and you love it. But then within, you know, a few months or or years, it's tattered or it's worn and it doesn't matter. And in the meantime, how much effort and energy are we putting into caring for all this or or dealing with it or our house being cluttered? Or I've been thinking a lot about this lately, just the the concept of where's my heart. There's a passage that I have on my dining room wall. It's Psalm 37, four that says, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. And if you break that down, what it's really saying is, you know, when you find your delight in your relationship with the Lord, your wills start matching. Because my desire becomes to follow Jesus and to do what he would have me do. And then I'm just happy with whatever he gives me to do. And I'm happy with whatever he gives me. And my perspective changes because I'm not going out and seeking all these other things. In fact, all these other things sort of lose their meaning. And I just want time with people. And I want people to know Jesus. And it's a whole different thing that occurs when you start delighting in God and pursuing him. And when he becomes the richness that you're seeking. But that's a long, that's a long stretch from where a lot of us are and where 
a lot of us dwell most of the time. And I'm not throwing any stones because I've struggled with this a lot. I continue to struggle with it. I just quit my job at the nursing home. I've said for a year that my heart's in ministry and that what I really care about is ministry, but I'm not going to lie. The paycheck was nice. And there comes a time that I just had to say, what am I pursuing? Am I pursuing the paycheck or am I pursuing the ministry that's been given to me? And I, I want to be careful because I feel very much that what I did in the nursing home was also a ministry, that I very much was the hands and feet of Jesus and that you can do ministry in many ways in, in many different roles. I think that uh, being a mother, it's not just me, Martin Luther said, you know, a, a young girl taking care of a child, she's fulfilling her role. I mean, that's that's her vocation. And so, you know, we can be in many roles and we can do ministry and it can look very different at very different seasons of life. But just for me at this time, the opportunities that have been given to me in order to do them well, and I want to do them well, I needed to make a, a choice on where to spend my time. And one paid really well. <laughs> and I just needed to say that's not everything. And for a time and for a season, that was wonderful. And that fulfilled its purpose. It allowed me to do things that I hadn't been able to do. It allowed our family some freedom that we hadn't known. And I'm grateful for it. But now going forward... I just really want to pursue whatever it is that God wants me to do in whatever role. And much like the Apostle Paul, you know, sometimes that might mean making tents. And and by that, I mean, the Apostle Paul supported his ministry at times by making tents. And then there were other times that he didn't have to, that other churches supported him. So wherever God takes me, that's fine. But I've just really been examining what my heart's delight is and where God fits into all that and hoping and praying that I'm making God the top priority instead of all the things of the world, which easily in my life become way up at the top there. So just finishing up, I will meditate on your precepts. Again, the note at the beginning of this saying, you know, our culture is not prone to meditating. We don't, we just want things done quick. We don't want to think about things. We just, just give us the answer just go to the action. And if I could say that we're really missing out on our relationship with God when we don't meditate on his words, when we don't think about it and pray on these things and go deeper. You know, we can always go surface deep, but when we start digging, God's word is like a treasure that you can never get to the end of. As much as you dig, there will always be more because we're told that God is so much higher than us. And aren't we so thankful that he is because I need a God that is smarter, wiser, bigger than me, way more powerful than I am because I know that I come to the end of myself often. In your statutes, I delight. I will not forget your words. You know, this is one of those practical Psalms that just reminds us that we have to keep God's word front and center. And this is your push to sort of make it a priority. 
I don't know what that's going to look like in your life. And I'm not going to be giving you direction that you have to start your morning with it, or you have to end the day with it. But I will tell you this. So Pastor Mike had his screens and souls sermon series in October. And I reviewed those. And then I did the behind the series with him. And when I did that, I made a point that I was going to end my day with the Bible again. So I had for years and years and years, I had always said that I'm going to give God the last word on my day. And so whatever I was doing, I always ended my day by reading my Bible. And then I got out of the habit for whatever reason, I started reading my Bible in the morning and and I just, that was fine. And more often than not, I would end my day by scrolling through Facebook or Instagram until I, you know, decide to turn off the phone and go to sleep. And when I, when I watched that series and listened to it, I just felt convicted enough that I wasn't going to do that anymore. So even if I read my Bible in the morning, and that's when I tend to do my actual studying and my prayer journaling and all that, I thought I'm still going to end the day with the Bible. So I, I put my EHV version of the Bible next to my bed. And that's made all the difference. The fact that it's within arm's reach and I'm just getting back in the habit of opening this Bible up and reading and studying a portion of scripture. And I've been going through first and second Timothy Titus, first and second Peter, and now I decided to do Psalm 119. And it has been so rich. And it is amazing how God meets us. You know, I'm not worthy. How many times have I put the world before God and scrolled on my phone? And yet when I come back, and I'm there and I'm like, all right, I, I want to meet with you. God with open heart, arms comes running and says, I've been waiting. Like I'm right here. I want this relationship too. And he's just making this so rich and so full for me. And he will do that for you too. And that's why this passage means so much to me because I think if you can make a priority. God says his word will not return void. So if you just get into the word some way, somehow, he will meet you and he will do something in your life. He will give you guidance. He will give you assurance. He will show you a different way. He will help you. He will strengthen you. He will encourage you. He will show you his promises. And isn't that what we're longing for? And we go to our phones and we go to our TVs and we are longing and we're searching for things to fill us up and day after day after day, it's all empty. So try something else. Open the Bible, go to God's word and see all, all the fullness and all the riches that he wants to give you. This has been Little Things, because in God's kingdom, the little things are the big things.